Track Cheese. Stop in today and find your favorite, Glazed and Confused, open 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Mossholder's Design Center is filled with accent chairs, club chairs, and over 80 in-stock recliners and lift chairs. So right now, every individual recliner, all lift chairs, and all chair and ottoman sets are on sale. Get rid of that old broken-down recliner or freshen up the look of your living room with a brand-new accent chair. Mossholder's carries many high-quality, American-made chairs and recliners that will give you years of improved comfort. Come test out our huge in-stock selection of chairs and recliners and receive savings all week long. That's Mossholder's Chair and Recliner Sale going on now. Mossholder's, furniture is our passion. Face it, you don't want to do your own plumbing and heating work or repair. You need a professional, and that is exactly what you will get if you work with Rapp Plumbing and Heating. Being fully licensed, bonded, and insured, you can rest assured that they will take care of your repairs and maintenance in the very best way possible. Call Rapp Plumbing and Heating at 429-1196 and rest easy knowing it'll be done right. This is Dan Rapp with Rapp Plumbing and Heating. And as we like to say, if you find a leak, let me take a peek. Look for the Sportsman's Warehouse pre-Black Friday sale flyer in this week's Country Bounty for the sale starting this weekend. This flyer has deals that only come around this time of year. Savings on rifles, pistols, magazines, scopes, gun cases, hunting and fishing clothing and gear, backpacks, and accessories. It's pre-Black Friday. Skip the crowds and shop now at Sportsman's Warehouse with the flyer in this week's Country Bounty. Sportsman's Warehouse, open seven days a week on Brundage Lane in Sheridan. Hi, this is Liz Kincaid, host of the new video podcast called Sheridan County Ag Update. Join me each week as I visit with folks in our area about local agriculture issues, rodeo, 4-H, FFA, and more. You can find my video podcast each week and past interviews under the podcast tab or on the front page of SheridanMedia.com. Sheridan County Ag Update is presented by Heartland Kubota, Cowboy State Bank, and True Built Builders. So join me, Liz Kincaid, host of Sheridan County Ag Update on SheridanMedia.com season to be jolly and at first federal bank and trust we're spreading the joy with our merry and bright three month cd special get into the spirit with a fantastic 5.38 percent annual percentage yield and here's the best part there's no opening deposit required but that's not all if you're planning to make a larger investment this holiday season you can enjoy an even merrier 5.48 percent apy with just a two hundred fifty thousand dollar opening deposit don't miss out on this limited time offer visit us today or go online at efirstfederal.bank where your holidays are merry and bright member fdic This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Public Pulse, now this morning, I am joined by Mr. Wyoming Game and Fish, Bird Farm Program Supervisor, Daryl Maniki. Is that how I say that last name, Daryl? Meineke. Meineke. Well, good morning, Daryl, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, where did you originally grow up? Uh, so I was, uh, my my youthful years were spent in Newcastle. Um, I lived there until I was in the eighth grade. Um, great place to, to grow up, and, and uh, mom and dad fell in love with the Sheridan area about 1983. And we moved here then, and I've been here ever since. Now, you're a local boy. Yeah. <laughs> now, when did you begin working for the Game and Fish, and was that always kind of the direction that you were going to go? Yeah, I've uh, I've always had a love for the outdoors. I love hunting and fishing. Um, hunting and fishing was a big part of my life growing up. My dad was uh, uh, 
always in the on the weekends we were we were going to the lake or going camping or something like that and and uh, we recreated outdoors so i had a love of that um, pretty much right away and and by the time i was in high school i really kind of saw myself as being somebody that would that would work in the outdoors um, with wildlife in in some uh, way or shape and uh, i ended up getting a job uh, with the story fish hatchery in 1991 uh, right out of high school, and I worked there for a couple of seasons under a couple of great supervisors who are both now long retired. And um, yeah, and then from there, um, like I told you a little bit earlier off off the show, uh, we had uh, I had an opportunity to work as a temporary at the bird farm. Um, thought it would just be a, a temporary gig. Never saw myself really staying there because that isn't what the job was going to be. And and uh, here we are. 27 years later, I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> and running the show. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you remember the year that was? 1996. The, 1996 yeah. at the bird farm. Now, were you always kind of interested in birds, or was that just kind of something that came about? Well, I mean, I've always been fascinated with, you know, uh, wildlife and the outdoors. I guess I never really uh, thought about the pheasants as being any kind of a favorite thing. Although we did see them around a lot, um, and and we did hunt them, uh, so I guess uh, it was it was maybe an opportunistic job as much as anything because we only lived about five miles from the pheasant farm when I was a kid, and I thought, well, this is a this is a job in the outdoors, and and it's also fairly close, so uh, maybe those things were as as important as as the love of the bird, you know, <laughs> proximity. <laughs> yeah. Now, what? What is the specific purpose of the bird farm here in Wyoming? Okay. How, many, how many bird farms do we have? So we have two. So I oversee the, the bird farm at Sheridan, and then also we have a bird farm in Torrington. Um, we both do the same thing. I've got great staff down there. Um, uh, ben and Bruce uh, run that uh, farm for me down there. Um, and uh, we both raise ringneck pheasants with with the intention of a put-and-take hunting program now. Going backwards in time to, to the original intent of the bird farm, in the 1930s, the local uh, sportsmen and uh, people involved in, in the hunting community decided that uh, pheasants was something that they wanted to see in Wyoming. Pheasants aren't native to Wyoming. They're not even native to the United States. They were they were brought into the United States in the 1880s. Uh, they were brought in a, on a ship that took several weeks to get them here. Uh, it's amazing that they survived, quite honestly. And they were wow. they were stocked into the Willamette Valley um, in uh, Oregon, <clears throat> and uh, they did so well that Oregon had a just a, a booming hunting season. Uh, just a few years later. States kind of took note uh, of this of this occurrence and said, we want to be a part of that. So uh, in the 1930s, Wyoming decided that uh, we wanted to have a, a, a pheasant introduction program. And the original intent, I believe, was to uh, bring birds in, stock them into areas where they would uh, um, survive and flourish on their own. Something to keep in mind, Floyd, in the 1930s, around in the Sheridan area or Wyoming in general, there was a lot of agriculture. When I was a kid in the 1980s, there was lots and lots of wheat farms, 
uh, around the Sheridan area. We have the, you know, of course we have the historic Mill Inn, and you drive out into the county around Claremont, and you still see the big, the big uh, towers and things where the, you know, the wheat was was offloaded on uh, onto the trains and things like that. So we had agriculture back then that could sustain uh, game birds, and uh, so that was the intention: put birds on the landscape and uh, establish them. And and that worked to a to an extent. Things have changed an awfully lot. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And and the agriculture situation now um, is is much different. Uh, just as an example, between Bighorn and the town of Sheridan when I was a kid, all that was all farm country for the most part. Now uh, it's homes. So, uh, you know, just the loss of habitat has kind of changed the way the pheasant um, exists on the landscape. And we're now essentially a, a put and take program where uh, we have public areas that the, that the, the uh, sportsmen can uh, access without permission and they can hunt pheasants. Uh, and, and other animals on some of these walk-in areas too. But uh, with regard to pheasants, we, we now just stock, we stock 10 walk-in areas. Um, and, and we realize that, you know, it's, these birds probably aren't going to have uh, the opportunity to find food and things like that, like, like they would have in, in the original, you know, years with the agriculture. But um, the amount of hunting pressure and the interest in, level in this is, is such that those birds are are getting utilized by the by the sportsmen. We're we're actively hunting. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, stocking birds right now. It's hunting season right now, uh, and it's not uncommon for us to to encounter and visit with thirty or forty sportsmen uh, wow. every day in the field, uh, taking part in our program. So, uh, in '96, when I first started uh, stocking birds, it was a kind of a handshake agreement with ranchers. Uh, those were older gentlemen that are. They were a little more uh, responsive to to the public hunting. Uh, those those men have all passed away now, and things have changed that way too. So, so now we sign up people through a, a walk-in hunting program, um, or we release on already currently existing public land, like the the public lands that we own, like the the Bud Love Big Game Winter Range, for example, or uh, um, you know places like the Springer. Uh, unit down at Torrington, which is a, a a big piece of property that we own down there, and, and stock birds on and and things like that. So it's it's changed a lot. Oh yeah. Um, um and maybe in in some ways it's um it's better. We see so much recreation now compared to what I saw in the in the late nineties. The amount of people participating in this program is it's just always increasing. It seems. And uh, there's a demand for us to continue to raise more and more birds all the time. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm limited to the amount of space I've got. So I wish we could, wish we could raise twice as many, but we just don't have the room or the staff. You, see, you know, you're really knowledgeable about this. And so you may know the answer to this question or you may not. <clears throat> what, why did Wyoming decide, you know, hey, let's go pheasants instead of just kind of taking advantage of the natural sage grouse that we have here? It's endangered now, uh, and it's a concern now that we protect these birds. But I imagine back in the 1930s, that was different. So what was the appeal about a, 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 a pheasant as opposed to a sage grouse? Yeah, so I really wouldn't have a probably a, a, a super good answer for that because I don't have any real idea of what the sage grouse uh, population would have been back then or, 
or how people, um, you know, what their opinion was of that, of that form of recreation. What I can say about the pheasant is that it's a, it's a beautiful animal that that's got a very palatable flesh. And so people enjoy hunting it, but also like, like eating it. And, and, um, so, uh, the other thing we've got to kind of keep in mind about the 1930s is that we were just a few decades away from a, basically an unregulated hunting season where animals were uh, were still probably visibly in decline by the 1930s. I don't know what our populations were of big of certain big game and turkeys and things like that, but but I know that the the people that were still alive uh, re- many of them recalled a time where there was unregulated hunting. I think Wyoming sold its first hunting license in 1895 or 1900, somewhere there. So prior to that, there wasn't any real regulation on hunting. We didn't even start requiring fishing licenses until I think 1919. Wow. So um, we saw uh, quite possibly a landscape that was devoid of wildlife. Uh, we We knew that based on what had occurred in Oregon, we were probably reacting to what had occurred in Oregon as much as anything. Saw that boom, and we thought, you know what? And saw this bird that, you know, something interesting about the pheasant is that oftentimes introduced species turn into a nuisance. Um, You know, we'll we'll just use, like, say, like the English sparrow or some a little bird like that, that, you know, it, it competes with other songbirds and creates all kinds of problems. Uh, within the landscape that, it, you know, nobody anticipated. The pheasant is pretty unique in that um, they live uh, kind of in, a, in their own little niche where they don't compete with other animals per se. Uh, they're, they're not uh, aggressive and don't, you know, say destroy nests of other birds and things like that. And, they're not driving them out. No, and so they, they've kind of, they've been a, a real success story in that they came onto the landscape in all these states uh, People love them. They're they're beautiful. They're fun to hunt. Uh, they have a, a, a wonderful, you know, crow when you when you. I mean, pheasant hunters. Just, it's like the bugle of an elk. You know, there's two things that get sportsmen's blood boiling. You know, an elk bugling and the cackle of a rooster pheasant off the edge of a <laughs> of a cut cornfield. You know, it's just there's just there's just it's a win win situation. We also saw an opportunity to maybe uh, uh, provide opportunities. Uh, where where there wasn't one. One of the things that that uh, we're really pretty proud of about the pheasant is that it's also a gateway animal to uh, introduce young people into the into the sport. So they can go out after this animal. Uh, don't have to. You don't have to get up at four thirty to hunt a pheasant. <laughs> yeah. That's not necessary. Uh, you don't have to climb a big snowy uh, hill, you know, and 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 glass for hours, you know. Ride eight hours uh, right, back into the you Rockies. Know, uh, yeah, you don't have to chain up. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you get up in the morning, you have a, a breakfast, you go out with family um, or friends, and you, and you get on the river bottom or in some drainages, and you hunt. And so, so young hunters or new hunters um, can succeed relatively quickly. They, you know, they they harvest an animal that that uh, is fun to hunt, but also tastes great. And so, the, you know, it, it hooks them. Yeah. And uh, so we're really proud of the fact that that's that that's kind of one of the the roles that the pheasant plays in 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 Wyoming but also in every state. I got an uncle who's a a bird hunter and and uh, he's he's kind of that classic guy you go down he's got one of the old dens with all the books and the wood and the brown leather and uh he's got pictures and paintings of pheasants all over the wall. I mean, it really is a bird that because of its beauty and as you said 
the taste of it. Yeah. It, it really appeals to a lot of different people. Yeah. When we look at the bird farm, what is the size and the scope of that facility? So um, we have uh, about a 50-acre facility in Sheridan, and uh, uh, a lot of that was uh, land that in the old days uh, they put pheasants in. Uh, we, needed, we needed a lot of space back uh, when they started. Pheasants uh, don't like to be crowded, so they'll fight, and uh, they can actually harm one another if you're not uh, conscious, uh, conscientious of your densities. And so um, to kind of give you a little backstory about how things used to be, um, they wanted to raise maximum numbers of birds, but they uh, had to give them a lot of space. In the 1980s, a little invention came on on the scene called a, a peeper or a blinder, which is actually a little mask that we put on the bird when they're six weeks old. That prevents them from from fighting. Uh, in in that, it, it doesn't prevent them from doing anything else. They can they can eat, they can drink, they can fly. Uh, it basically just looks like a little sunglasses uh, that they can't uh, they can't grab one another quite as easily without the the, the the person or the the bird being grabbed noticing that something's going to occur so it it basically buys a little bit of time uh, within the flock to see that oh you know this bird's gonna gonna grab me so they move away from one another so it's a very simple little design it's something I I, I wished I would have been smart enough to invent you know um, uh, but we put those on those birds and so now we're able to raise the birds at higher densities and smaller in a smaller space wow so um, I say that in that now I'll, I'll I'll share with you that we have about 17 acres of of that 50 acres under chicken wire, uh, whereas and we're we're raising twice the number of birds that they raised in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s because of the uh, because of the blind because of that little device because of the blinder yeah <clears throat> so back in the back in the early years they needed a lot more room. Um, and uh, so uh, we we do we do more with less now, um, because of the because of the blinder. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we have about a thousand birds per acre on our facility. Um, wow! And so uh, we you know we hope to to stock uh, between fourteen and fifteen thousand birds um, every year. Now uh, we also are are unique in that there's a lot of people that raise pheasants, uh, or there's other game bird farms around. Wyoming or even around Sheridan and uh, those farms uh, typically will buy birds young birds and raise them to adulthood or they'll uh, buy an adult bird and hold them through the season and then release them as as the hunting season progresses we're kind of unique in that um, we actually hold our own flock uh, breeding flock over the winter we then in the spring um, gather the eggs that they lay and we incubate our own eggs on the facility. I have an incubator at the Sheridan Bird Farm as well as we have one uh, at the Bird Farm in Torrington that uh, holds 30,000 eggs. Holy cow. Yeah, so the month of May is is um, is uh, gathering and, and uh, hatching lots and lots of eggs. And uh, for those of you guys that like, you know, spring uh, snowstorms and cold weather, be thinking of me this May <laughs> when uh, I have pheasants laying eggs outside um, uh, we gathered one year, uh, our birds, they start laying the end of March, which people don't realize, but they'll start to, they'll start to lay the end of March. Um, 
and we were gathering eggs in April. Uh, one day, this was several years ago, 17 below zero. Oh, my so goodness. So the minute that egg hits the ground, we, we have to be there to, uh, to get that picked up. And it's a very labor-intensive process, but we, we love what we do. Oh, absolutely. That seems like something you would have to really love what you do to get out there and gather all those eggs at yep. 17 below. Yeah. And it's not always that cold, but it, it sure can be. Now, um, I got to take a quick commercial break, but just, just before I go, one last question before we hit that break. What other kinds of birds do you raise or is it just pheasants up there? So it's just pheasants. And uh, we can kind of talk about that after the break if you want, but uh, uh, in the early years, uh, we experimented with some other some other birds too, and we did things with birds to try to rehabilitate things like Canada geese. We we had some did some work with turkeys. Um, we did uh, we raised red legged chucker, and uh, also a really cool bird uh, called the Himalayan snow partridge, which um, is a is a high elevation bird that is. Uh, uh, Native to the Himalayas. Wow. Yeah. I, I want to know a little bit more about that one. Yeah. All right. We'll have more with our Wyoming Game and Fish when we return. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KR. First Federal Bank and Trust, we're spreading the joy with our Marion Bright three-month CD special. Get into the spirit with a fantastic 5.38% annual percentage yield, and here's the best part. There's no opening deposit required. But that's not all. If you're planning to make a larger investment this holiday season, you can enjoy an even merrier 5.48% APY with just a $250,000 opening deposit. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit us today or go online at efirstfederal.bank, where your holidays are Marion Bright. Member FDIC. Get ready to go deep into the stuff of which snowy dreams are made with Warren Miller's All Time. 7 p.m. Saturday, November 11th at Sheridan's Y.O. Theater. Celebrate the birth of ski towns like Sun Valley and Aspen, icons and originators like the original Hot Doggers, and the most outlandish locations ever skied. Then catch up with Maine's finest athlete of today, Donnie Pelletier, and meet the next generation at Woodward Park City. Get tickets today at yotheater.com. Muscleholders Design Center is filled with accent chairs, club chairs, and over 80 in-stock recliners and lift chairs. So right now, every individual recliner, all lift chairs, and all chair and ottoman sets are on sale. Get rid of that old broken down recliner or freshen up the look of your living room with a brand new accent chair. Mossholders carries many high quality American made chairs and recliners that will give you years of improved comfort. Come test out our huge in-stock selection of chairs and recliners and receive savings all week long. That's Mossholders chair and recliner sale going on now. Mossholders, furniture is our passion. Let's talk about tires. Think about the snowy, icy roads ahead. Now think about your current worn tires. How safe does that make you feel? Luckily, Midas Tire and Auto has extended their super tire sale through November 15th. Buy three, get one free, and up to a $100 rebate on select tires. Midas also has big savings on shocks and struts and oil changes. Preparing for winter is critical. Saving money is optional, but Midas makes it easy to do both. Getting and keeping you safely on the road. Midas Tire and Auto in Sheridan. Christy Kinghorn of Buffalo Realty would like to talk to you about 38 Ridge Lane near Buffalo. This beautiful three-bedroom solar home in the country has breathtaking views of the Bighorns. Spacious kitchen and dining area with a formal living room and a separate office or family room. A wrought iron fenced-in yard is well landscaped. Plus, there's a small reservoir on the property. The home and 15.66 acres can be sold separate from the other 138 acres. 
If interested, call Christy Kinghorn at Buffalo Realty, connecting people with property. ERA Carroll Realty is back with the 7th Annual Holiday Shopping Sweepstakes. This is your chance to win $1,000 in gift certificates and chamber bucks from our Sheridan and Buffalo merchants. And we've tied into a national campaign to give you a chance at winning $15,000 cash. Five winners will receive prizes totaling $1,000 to retailers like Solitude Spa, Crossroads Health, Smith Alley Brewing, Kid Curious, First Northern Bank, and Expressions Art Gallery. Just go to the contest page at sharedandmedia.com. Enter once each day through December 12th. Hi, this is Tom Bellis with ERA Carroll Realty. We're about more than real estate. We're about family, friendship, and community. Happy holidays. and welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. I'm speaking this morning with Wyoming Game and Fish Bird Farm Program Supervisor, Daryl Meineke. Now, this morning we're talking about Game and Fish Department's Bird Farm. And before we went to the break, uh, Daryl talked about uh, a program that they attempted to introduce the Himalayan snow partridge. Daryl, could you touch on this just a little bit? Sure. It sounds like it's a, a beautiful bird. Just a name. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. A, it is a very pretty bird. He lives at high elevations, and uh, um, what I was told by former supervisors um, that uh, were involved with that program was not only was this bird beautiful, but it was an incredibly uh, tenacious and aggressive bird. And uh, they actually had a really difficult time uh, with the birds the years that they had them uh, because. When you would try to gather their eggs, the hen would, uh, she would, would do anything that she had to do to, to try to, to stop you from doing that. And, and I remember hearing stories of, uh, you going in and gathering eight or nine eggs and all the way back out of the, uh, of the, uh, breeding enclosure, they had, uh, Himalayan snow partridge all over their f- faces and shoulders biting and scratching and, and you know, uh, beaks clinging to their ears and, and scratching their faces. And, and it wasn't uncommon to, to, to lose eggs for them to be broken uh, just because the birds were so... Just trying to get out of there. So mean. Yeah, but it, it, was a, it was a program that um, uh, uh, we, didn't, we didn't succeed. I, I you know, the, to the best of my knowledge, uh, it, it, it kind of came and went. Um, I uh, like the Reeves pheasant. That's another one. If you guys want to Google uh, Reeves pheasant, R-E-E-V-E-S, we tried to raise those in the 1950s. Those birds have a 66-inch tail, wow. five feet long, and they have a masked face. Uh, they're a little bigger than a ringneck pheasant. And uh, we originally wanted to stock those in the Black Hills because they uh, their native uh, habitat is, uh, is, a, is a forested type of habitat. Absolutely beautiful, amazing bird. Uh, I, I I often think about uh, what it would be like to, for the Black Hills to have those birds in them right now. You know what an amazing success story that would be, and and it, it never did. It didn't work out either. So, um, and here again, all that stuff was was so long ago. Uh, there's a lot a lot of uh, empty space in the in the, the story. One thing bird farmers are good at is 
raising birds and the other thing they're really bad at is writing stuff down. So, yeah. <laughs> Keeping track of yeah, that Yeah, not stuff, a yeah. lot of really good information. Unfortunately, the men that, that knew it have all passed away. Now, uh, we are uh, in the middle of pheasant hunting season, correct? Or it just, just started. started. Yep. Just started. Um, before I go uh, too far into where the best place would be or, or maybe a little insider's knowledge... There, I, I put up a story yesterday from the Wyoming Game and Fish, maybe it was the day before, the requirements that sure. these hunters have to have. Uh, there's quite a bit, isn't there? Well, yeah, you know, we just maybe one more thing than your average upland bird hunter would, would be required to possess. You're going to need an annual fishing, or I'm sorry, an annual hunting license um, to hunt the whole season and, and a conservation stamp, which you would need for anything else, but, you know, whether that's elk, deer, antelope, black bear, whatever. Um, but then also we require that you buy a pheasant, a special pheasant management stamp. And that money comes back directly into our program uh, to, to kind of help. It doesn't fund the program, unfortunately. The, the, uh, uh, the cost of the program is, is, uh, is quite high, especially with, um, you know, the inflation, you know, yeah. uh, cost of feed and fuel and things like that. But it does help. And we, uh, we do require that you buy that to, to kind of help us out with, the, with that program. And so make sure you've got all of that on you when right. you head on out there. Yep. Now, where's the, the, some of the best spots that we can go? Well, uh, so I guess I'll just I'll, I'll start by telling you that we stock 10 public areas out of the Sheridan Bird Farm. Um, several of those are in Sheridan County and Johnson County. An example that people might understand or, or know about would be the Bud Love Big Game Winter Range at, at Buffalo. That would be that would be one of the spots that we stock. Also, the Fort Phil Kearney uh, site, the historic site uh, down near Lake DeSmit, we we would stock that that also. Um, we stock uh, some some ranch locations that we have agreements with to allow walk in. We also stock uh, state and BLM areas. Uh, one of the BLM areas that would be really popular would be on the way to Decker uh, on the river, the Welch Recreation Area, which is a, a BLM property. So, oh, uh, and we also drive over the mountain uh, to stock the Yellowtail Habitat Management Area, which is a beautiful 20-plus thousand acre uh, piece of property that the Wyoming Game and Fish takes care of over there. And uh, the staff over there, Eric Shorma, those guys, that place is amazing. It's, a, it's an absolute... Uh, a gem in the basin. Uh, we also go to San Mesa and Ocean Lake, uh, which is near Riverton, uh, and we do oh, that. Wow. We do That's that far. twice a week. Yeah. So I hire a driver that all that uh, individual does is is drives twice a week with truck and trailer load of pheasants to the San Mesa and Ocean Lake uh, habitat areas, and those are public areas. You 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 get your permits and you walk on those areas and hunt, and then they're they're great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks. Head on out there. Get yourself a pheasant this year. Uh, that's why they're there. Daryl, thank you so much for coming in and speaking with me this morning, my friend. Uh, it was great to meet you. And uh, you you live and work in a very fascinating field. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we're going to speak with Sage Community Arts. You're listening to Public Pulse, 930 KROE, 103.9 FM.
First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize another winner of $1,000 in cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Shared Media as part of their community commitment uprising. We'll be receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Shared Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. Face it, you don't want to do your own plumbing and heating work or repair. You need a professional, and that is exactly what you will get if you work with RAP Plumbing and Heating. Being fully licensed, bonded, and insured, you can rest assured that they will take care of your repairs and maintenance in the very best way possible. Call RAP Plumbing and Heating at 429-1196 and rest easy knowing it'll be done right. This is Dan Rapp with RAP Plumbing and Heating. And as we like to say, if you find a leak, let me take a peek. At WearingSheridan.com, you can see most every vehicle on their lot. In fact, you can see about 25 different photos of every vehicle. You can request information on the vehicle you're interested in. You can fill out a credit application, even schedule service work. Check it out, WearingSheridan.com, and experience the wearing way of buying vehicles. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, WearingSheridan.com. Bookmark it. Full-service dealership at 107 East Alger, WearingSheridan.com. Come to Ucross for unparalleled bird hunting at Clear Creek Hunting. Guided and unguided pheasant hunts are available and open from now through March. Enjoy groomed hunt fields with perfect cover and plenty of birds to ensure you and your group a successful hunt. Now's the time. Call Clear Creek Hunting today, 737-2237 to get your reservations in early while the birds last. Because when they're gone, they're gone. The best place to hunt, Clear Creek Hunting in Ucross. What would Christmas be without tradition, without the comfort of home, the joy of family, and smiles of children? Open your heart this year during the 26th Annual Christmas Wish Campaign. Due to temporary circumstances beyond their control, some families, friends, and neighbors will struggle to make ends meet, let alone have a Merry Christmas. It's tradition for the Christmas Wish Campaign to bring the spirit of the holidays to those individuals. In the past, we've assisted several people with everything from bills and food to clothing, Christmas trees, and toys for children. Please send your Christmas Wish nominations and donations to P.O. Box 5086 Sheridan or submit them online at SheridanMedia.com as soon as possible. All wishes must be submitted in writing and must include your name and phone number. There are follow-up questions our committee will need to have answered to properly assess each wish. Wishes must be received by Friday, November 24th. Partners for this year's Christmas Wish Campaign are Atlas Chiropractic, First Federal Bank and Trust, Heartland Kubota, Advanced Auto Body, Wyoming Corporate Office, and Odell Construction. Mandy Coltisco from Century 21 BHJ brings you this pet of the week from the dog and cat shelter. Riley is a full-grown puppy who's a bit timid and needs a little time to get to know someone. Once he does, his sweet, playful side comes out. Riley would really like to meet you. Cinders is a lazy lady christened queen of the couch. She absolutely loves her leisure time and is ready to catch you up on napping techniques. If you love to lay low, Cinders will be right by your side. For my next guest, I am joined by the executive director of Sage Community Arts, Jill Benson. Good morning, Jill, and welcome back to the show. Uh, Could you pull that mic just a little bit? Thank you very much. These mics are very sensitive. We got to be really close to them. So how have you been? 
I have just been fabulous. I'm very excited that we're in November or in the fall, but in actual fall, not the like, this is fall with the white drudge of last year. So it's been yeah. so nice to be like, oh, we do have fall in Wyoming. Who knew? <laughs> it can happen. <laughs> it can happen. We had a really long spring this year too. And that's, mm -hmm. that's my favorite season. And yeah. boy, I was just, I was soaking it up. I, I was not looking forward to the heat of that sun and uh, not looking forward to uh, the oncoming winter season yeah. this year either. It always makes driving so difficult. Mm -hmm. Now, just, what was it, last week or was yeah. it the week before the Wyoming Arts Summit Yeah, right here the, in Sheridan? Two weekends ago. How did that go? It went so well. And, you know, it was the perfect way to show a Wyoming art summit because there was one heck of a snowstorm that came on that wednesday thursday just before so when we snow that's still around came from there we had people trying to travel up from cheyenne and laramie up from casper across the others trying to come over from buffalo on that last little stretch that's always one of the worst in well, wyoming as tough. you it's might know <laughs> but we still had a really great showing people showed up and it just shows you that that extra spark, that extra something that is a Wyoming artist, that is a Wyoming height. They just, they're like, all right, snow, here we go. <laughs> We're coming. We're, I'm going <laughs> to be there anyway. Yeah. And it's just, it, it just shows the tenacity of what we are here in Wyoming. And it was, it was really cool. So we were, um, the different talks and the different um, programs that they were able to offer were filled up really well events over at sage were so full compared to what we expected the our first kickoff portfolio review wasn't overly as full just because uh a lot of them just couldn't get here yeah. or they were going to be late so we were able to do some shuffling so that they were able to to have those reviews but then i believe it was friday night we had the um the wyoming arts alliance had their talk of being in advocate and had uh, representatives um, Cyrus Western talking about how to talk to your legislators know who your district person is and I haven't seen Sage so packed we ran out of chairs I'm like okay wow. yeah y'all gonna have to stand so that's <laughs> and, fantastic and it was so exciting to get to to again to show our art space not just a place to come see the visual arts or hear about the performing arts but to talk about the advocacy of the arts because we had so many different people in there those who are art curious or those who are the art appreciators the artists the the administrators the directors all coming together the legislators together talking about how do we keep this vibrant essential true key of our community of our state that is a staple of our state alive and thriving and how yeah. do we keep that going how do you how do you make those conversations? And it was so neat to see that happen in our space. And I think it kicked off to the the rest of the weekend well of like, okay, this is how we talk. This is what else we're trying to learn here with this summit. So, um, and then the, the weekend relaxed a little bit with it. We got some sun was nice. And so I think everyone was able to participate a little bit more, show up later that Friday and Saturday and still come through the, the weekend. And so, it was such an honor to get to have it hosted here. And I hope in the future, if it, you know, several years it comes back that um, 
we can just have maybe the the nice fall. <laughs> the <weather co> <laughs> Who knew we should have pushed yeah. it back? <laughs> like, let's go later in the fall and you'll have better weather. I that makes yeah, sense. Right. But overall, I really think it was a great success. And um, again, to show that Sheridan is really becoming this art capital, this mm -hmm. art destination of Wyoming is getting people to be like, all right, we're, we're something up here. We got a lot to offer. One thing that I've noticed, if you visit a, a town or a city with a vibrant economy, mm -hmm. they're always going to have museums and galleries. And if you think uh, on places like let's let's go real big and hit Jackson Hole, mm -hmm. I you can't walk forty feet without running into a gallery or art. Yes, or, I mean it's really the display of culture, but it's also a major economic driver. Oh yeah, and I think Huge. a lot of people might not realize that. And I've always appreciated when you come on the show and you know your stuff well enough, where you're <laughs> like, look, this is this is a huge part of the shared and economy exactly Art is an economic driver. And the more that we support it, the more it supports us here within the community. Yes. And I've always appreciated that about you. Thank um, you. <laughs> also, I just want to say that Barb Smith, the new Wyoming poet laureate. Yes. Uh, she was actually my first journalism teacher in college. No way. Yeah. She's <laughs> an amazing, it. an amazing woman. <laughs> A great poet, a, a fantastic speaker as well. And speaking of a speaker, tonight people can hear from local artist, teacher, mother, photographer, Brittany Denham Wisnot. Yes, it is going to be so wonderful. She gave us a little sprinkling of her insight, her journey, not only when you look at the work, but when we had the reception, which, again, that was on the... Thursday night before the art summit and there was many events going on in town with snow on top of all of it. And we had such an amazing showing and that, that just shows the community support of a locally beloved artist who's not only doing amazing things, creating amazing things, but wanting to give back how much she gives back through her teaching and her willingness to share her, her journey and stuff. And so we, she kind of, Gave a little bit of a talk, um, just kind of the very high-level overview. But tonight, we're going to be able to dive in deeper, hear more of that journey, more of where, what got her from being uh, training as a photographer to now having these beautifully quilted works of art. Like, w What took her from there, and, and what does the future look like for her artwork? Where is it going? What What's coming next? Because you can just... When you talk with her, you can see that there's constantly ideas churning and going, and which gets really exciting. And um, you know, some artists will definitely face that challenge of not having that mm -hmm. there. And I know she's faced it before, but she's definitely in that that zone that it is there. It's ready to come out and be produced. Like I have this story, I have these visions, this um, piece of me. I'm ready to share, and that's really what you see in her work. And um, I think we're in for a treat tonight to be able to uh, hear what that is. And it, it's such a fun continuation because she's, this is the second of our four-part lecture series within the tributary lecture series. So not only do we get to highlight her, but we had the amazing four-person panel uh, just earlier in October 
that was so great because it talked about becoming a full-time artist, taking the plunge. And we heard from four very different artists that come from so many different backgrounds, styles. And now we're moving on to yet another artist who's kind of talking about how she's being a full-time artist paired with something else and more of an intimate look to it rather than the, there was a bit of self stories with our others, but some kind of theories of what it took to be there, what um, advice they had. This is now talking to someone who has, who's doing it. We're hearing the, put all that into practice. Yes, exactly. And so I think it's going to be a really fun continuation to where it's, it's not exactly a continuation of here's how I took the plunge to become a full-time artist, but we get to hear the encompassment of an artist living day to day, producing, being a mother, teacher. I mean, my goodness, her list goes on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she's she's got to be one of the busiest people in Sheridan. And she is so humble with her time. She is so willing. Um, it's been really fun. She has popped into the gallery a few times. Uh, and every time there's been somebody admiring her work and they we said, this is the artist and that she's instantly makes a connection with them. They, it, it bring, there's just something about this show that brings out the, the want to share. Because I think not only is she combining kind of these modern spins on a, a traditional style and technique, but uh, she's bringing in history too. They'll see this one piece has her, um, most a lot of the pieces have it, but the one piece really shows her great-grandmother's house coat, and everyone's like, or a lot of them like, I remember my grandma or my mom had that coat, and they it just instantly there's this connection. Yeah. And it's such a brilliant red compared to this beautiful blues that she used. So it like, it just pops out and catches your eye. And a lot of the quilting patterns she uses are very recognizable. We we actually have a lot of um, textile artists at Sage. And again, that way of connecting the textiles that were seen as a craft art, making that journey into the fine arts and getting to see a whole display of fine art quilting textile work. Again, is another way of kind of bridging some generation gaps, some different gaps on what is perceived as the fine arts and really showing that there's this dedication, this intentionality behind a lot of the work um, and this fine craft that is really a fine art that's coming through. And so it's been a really uniting uh, show to be able to, to show that to our community. And it's one of those situations where you can really appreciate something that Mm -hmm. maybe someone doesn't see as art. And that's, um, I had to go and write a story about a quilters club. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time and and I remember thinking okay this is just going to be real quick I'll make it cute right. it changed my life mm-hmm. when I went in there sat down with these ladies who were teaching uh, you know younger girls how to do this I suddenly realized the artistry the massive amount of creativity and skill that quilting takes and yeah. I started looking up histories of this. This is an art form. Mm-hmm. That's what quilting is. It is a beautiful art form. It's art that functions. Yes. But at the same time, 
one thing that I absolutely love to do is to wait on our county fair. And I will go in there and head straight for the exhibit hall and look at those quilts because they are beautiful works of art. They're just amazing. And they were expressions of women on the prairie mm-hmm. and their their history. I mean, a quilt and quilting is so, I don't know, Western American. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. And, and it's such a huge part of who we are. And you go into someone's house and they'll open up you know, their, their linen closet. And they'll be like, oh, we can't use that one. That, right. You know, my grandma <laughs> passed that one down. It's just so much of who we are. We don't really appreciate no. the fact that it is also, that's grandma's artwork that yeah. we've passed down through the years. Or, geez, great grandma now. Yeah. But it's it's such a, and it means so much to so many different people, so many different things. A quilt is mom. A quilt is grandma. A quilt yes. is family and love and being wrapped in a warm blanket. Mm-hmm. It just means so much. And Brittany's been able to take that and express it, uh, you know, through art itself and show us these are all the different things a woman is, a yes. woman can be. And and I just, I love it. And and I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, hopefully the weather holds out for us. I know, here we we're looking good so far. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've only got about a minute left. But uh, one thing that I did want to mm-hmm. touch, the next one coming up, after Britney's show, Exhibition Rhythm and Balance. When does that start? That will be November 15th. We do have the full list on our website, artandsheridan.com, and that will be with Barb McNabb from the Britain Museum. Uh, again, another amazing treat. Her insight of how to curate and cultivate shows for your space, for your gallery, the history that she knows about so many artists and art styles is just going to be amazing. So she's going to be able to speak from both sides of how an artist approaches a gallery, but then also how you as an art lover approaches a gallery. How do you find that rhythm and balance to see the show, to prepare your own show? So she's, again, she's able to speak to so many sides of this. And I think it's, again, it's just an honor that we get to have her speak for our tributary lecture series. That's something that you and I have touched on in the past where curation itself yes. is really an art form. Being able to take someone else's work but find that rhythm and find the best way to display it. So, Jill, I've run out of time. Thank you so much for coming in this <laughs> Thank morning. Thank you so much, It is Floyd. always a pleasure, my <laughs> friend. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM. Sheridan. Are you ready to make this holiday season truly merry and bright? Look no further than First Federal Bank and Trust for our exclusive holiday CD special. For a limited time, enjoy a fantastic 5.38% annual percentage yield on their three-month CD special with no opening deposit required. That's right, $0 to get started. Or if you're looking to make a grand investment, we're offering a remarkable 5.48% APY for those who open with $250,000 or more. Don't wait. This holiday CD special won't last long. Visit us online at efirstfederal.bank. Member FDIC. Show them what you stand for, who and what you're proud of, how you're built. Shipton's Big R, along with Ariat, reaches out right now and salutes all of our veterans. Thank you for your service, your courage, 
and strength. We're giving back by declaring love for our country in comfort and warmth with a special gift purchase. Receive a free Ariat knit cap, $16.95 value, with your $100 Ariat purchase. Premium quality. Eight colors to choose from while supplies last. Ariat footwear, apparel, and outerwear crosses many paths of life, including Western Farm and Ranch, the working individual, and a casual lifestyle. Ariat is known for durability, comfort, and tech innovation. Our veterans are known for honor, commitment, and integrity. What a great combination. Thank you, veterans, for all you have done. May you have a great day on November 11th. The free Ariat knit cap offer is now available at Shipton's Big R. On Sugarland Drive in Sheridan. If you're a Sheridan City resident, now's the time to sign up to receive critical emergency alerts from the city on your cell phone. Get information on severe weather, snow removal parking requirements, service outages, and more. The city's goal is for every city resident to sign up and receive these time-sensitive notifications, and now's the best time to do it. For more information and to sign up, scan the QR code in this week's Country Bounty or click the link on SheridanMedia.com. I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. Is it okay if I use a four-letter word to really get people excited? Um, snow, Tommy, snow. Okay, you had me worried. Well, one thing you don't need to worry about is missing out on the new Skidoo models or getting your preseason service done on your sled. That's good. I don't want to miss out on a single inch of snow. Check out our new showroom full of the latest apparel and accessories to make sure that you and your sled are ready to ride in style this winter. Shop for all your Skidoo needs at Sheridan Power Sports today. Christmas is right around the corner, so let Legacy Diamond and Gems help you create your own unique custom design jewelry. But don't procrastinate. The deadline's November 1st for guaranteed Christmas delivery. Their professional staff can help you create a piece of jewelry that leaves your loved ones speechless. Need ideas? See some of their fine jewelry online for inspiration at LegacyDiamondGems.com. Stop by their temporary location at 17 East Lauks between P.O. News and the Chocolate Tree. That's Legacy Diamond and Gems in downtown Sheridan. 103.9 FM.